Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. So when I started this podcast last year, I wanted to provide as much information as possible to fantasy owners, and I wanted to do it in the shortest amount of time possible. So normally, I've tried to keep it around 30 minutes, sometimes goes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter. Well, last week, the scores Dan Wilkins and I, we were having so much fun deep diving on running backs and quarterback prospects that we went for over an hour. I've brought him back this week, along with the scores Mike Alessandrini, another one of our top draft analysts. The two of them recently combined to put out the scores pre-draft prospect rankings for every position, not just the skill position players, but every position on both sides of the ball. I imagine we're going to touch on those rankings at least a few times today when we're going over the fantasy relevant wide receivers and tight ends. So I'm excited to see what we can learn from them. But before we get into that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you aren't listening to any of the other shows on the score podcast network, what are you doing with your life? I mean, we have pound the rock, our NBA show. Puck Pursuit, our NHL pod, Sweeper Keeper for the soccer fans out there, and Expand the Zone, which is absolutely rocking with baseball in full swing right now. So check them out. All right, let's go here. As I mentioned, you can find all our content on the Score app, including the draft content from our NFL team and all my fantasy coverage throughout the offseason in the NFL fantasy news section. And I just posted my breakdown of the receiver class on Monday. I'm going to have the tight ends out on Wednesday. We're in the home stretch here, guys. This is great. Just over a week away from knowing where all these prospects are going to land. I want to start with receivers today. I mentioned this in the article. I don't think this is the best class for skill position players overall, but in this receiver group, there are definitely a handful of guys with elite upside, and I know your prospect rankings aren't fantasy rankings, but you have Marquise Brown as your number one receiver, which I disagree with. So right off the bat here, I'm going to let you guys sell me on Brown as being a better prospect than Hakeem Butler or Nikhil Harry or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf, all guys that I have above him. I mean, it's tough to run a defense against a receiver that you can't cover. There's just so many things that Marquise Brown does that I love. And, you know, it's not just speed. He's drawn some comparisons to Deshaun Jackson leading up to the draft and like I get that I see that he's a like the elite speed over the top he's a great ball tracker on the deep ball and that's a big part it's not just speed but he also has so many more elements to his game where like he's a good route runner he has these good subtleties to create separation before he reaches out for the catch I mean, he's a, he's amazing after the catch. As soon as he gets the ball in open field, there's a chance he takes it to the house. He does everything I want to see from a receiver. I mean, yeah, he's smaller than you'd like to see at 5'9", 166, but he honestly doesn't play that small. He can go up and fight for the ball in contested catch situations too. So really, I think the only question mark for teams heading into the draft is, uh, is he going to bounce back from that foot injury that forced him to miss pre-draft workouts? If he gets the go-ahead on medicals there, I, I don't see how he's not the number one receiver in the class. I, I agree with everything you said there. I still can't move him ahead of those other guys. I mean, the 166-pound thing, it's not just that he's small. It's is he going to be able to hold up in the NFL game when the defenders are all going to be bigger, the hits are all going to be harder. And I worry, you're, you're talking about that foot injury. He had Liz Frank surgery that could be a problem. I mean, hopefully, and we've talked about this before, it's tough to judge on the medicals. We don't totally know. And draft capital will help us understand. If he ends up going in the first round, then I guess teams won't be as worried. But 
Alessandrini, are you agreeing with Wilkins here, or was there any disagreement or argument between the two of you for Brown being at number one? No, I think Brown is a perfect fit at number one in our rankings. You mentioned the foot injury. By all uh, accounts so far and reports, um, the foot injury is fine. He's doing really well. He hasn't suffered any setbacks. So I don't think the foot injury is a massive concern right now. I think he's going to be ready for the season, and I don't think it's going to affect his draft stock too much. Brown is probably the most dynamic um, skill position player in this entire draft. You have to account when he's on the field, wherever he is on the field. Just the impact he could create with every touch of the ball. You mentioned the guys are bigger around him, the defenders. Well, they're not going to hit him if they can't catch him. And I haven't seen anyone that's going to be able to catch him. So there are arguments to be had for maybe Metcalf and, like you said, Butler. But I think uh, the upside on Brown, who has shown improvement every each and every year in college as a route runner, plays bigger than he is, and tracks the ball, as Wilkins says, can impact an offense and hurt a defense in just more ways than anyone else in this class, in my opinion. And I will say one of the things that I think we tend to do when we're looking at these prospects going to the next level is, as much as we try not to, I think we tend to fall into those prototype searches. Like We tend to give the advantage to the bigger receiver. And in many cases, like that's valid. If all things are equal, you probably take the bigger receiver who could match up better against NFL corners, right? And in, in, in a physical situation, that is. But I mean, if you look at today's game and how a player like Tyreek Hill profiles in the game, that's the number one receiver to me now. And I think that Brown's game is very similar to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, there are a number of teams with with smaller number one wide receivers, right? The Colts come to mind with T.Y. Hilton. There are a few others, right? So, and not every receiver has to be 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds and, and bully everyone in front of them. That's, you know, there are certain offensive gurus in this league that can make the most out of these players. And Tyreek Hill is a perfect example. And I think Brown could become a Tyreek Hill-esque player. I hope you're, I really hope you're right. Cause like I said, I like him and I have him right behind that top four of those guys that I mentioned right off the top. I just worry. I worry about a player like him coming into the league where he's going to put on some weight. They're going to get him into a, a training room and they are going to get him working out. I imagine he could probably get up around 175, 180, which is right around where Tyree Kill and, and Brandon Cooks and Deshaun Jackson and all those guys play around that weight. I don't know that I see him as maybe as tenacious as someone like Deshaun Jackson. I hope he has the physicality. I hope it translates. We're comparing him to Hill, who is an outstanding player. We're comparing him to Deshaun Jackson, who's had a long career doing this. In an ideal setting, yes, if he ends up being one of those guys, he could be near the top of this group. But I think the guys we're about to talk about here also have very, very high ceilings, higher than Browns. And I want to start with Akeem Butler. He's my favorite in this class. We talked about him a bit before we came on the air. I recently moved him above Harry. In my initial rankings, I had Nikhil Harry as my number one receiver in my dynasty rookie rankings. I moved Butler above him, and it's just the more film I watch, that 6'5", 227-pound frame, he has the best combination in my mind of skills and athleticism and that upside. He's a physical player. He's an explosive player. You want to talk about comps, I'm looking at him as a guy who could be, you know, maybe an A.J. Green type guy, a guy who has double-digit touchdown upside, I think, very early in his career. He could come in and and make a name for himself just on that note alone. What did you guys think of Butler? Where did he rank in your rankings? So he's number three in our rankings, and I will go full disclosure here that he 
would be number two in mine, but we had a little bit of a give and take in our receiver rankings because one of us likes certain guys and one of us likes other types. But <laughs> This is good. This is what we brought you on for. I want to pit you against each other. Yeah, I, I mean, he's the number two. And honestly, for me, he, he could make the argument he's the number one receiver as well. I mean, I love both him and Hollywood Brown. I gave Hollywood Brown the advantage just for uh, you know his explosiveness and the, the speed that it's it's honestly tough to match one-on-one. Like, it, there really isn't anyone in the league that's going to cover that speed one-on-one with that help over the top. But like you said with Butler, I do think he can do everything. Um, I love him as a prospect. He's a big play machine. He's got the size, physicality, uh, the high point ability to make plays over the top of the defenders, the kind of things that Hollywood Brown's not going to do as much. Um, he tracks the ball well. He's a good route runner. And really, like he's a bully both as a blocker and when he gets the ball running after the catch, like that physicality really shows up. So I'm really high on Hakeem Butler. Um, I think the only real concern I have for his game is the drops. But as long as the drops are more so like a focus type thing where, you know, the you have the occasional lapse rather than an ability thing. I mean, some of the plays that we've seen him make, it's not a question of ability. He just has once in a while he'll have a focus drop and that kind of adds to his total. And it can be frustrating, but I think he makes up for it with all the plays he does make. And it's important to note here that from what I see out there in the industry, the top guys, the rankings everyone has on them, they're all over the board. I've seen Butler extremely low in some rankings. I've seen him at the top of others. I don't totally understand it when I see him. Every time I watch him, I like him a little bit more. So maybe Alessandrini, maybe you're the guy who can help me see what am I missing? What are the negatives here on Butler that could bring him down other than the drops like Wilkins mentioned? Yeah, I don't want to bring Butler down too much. He was my number five ranked receiver in uh, in this class, so I do like him. I just he kind of comes in after the um, some of these guys we're going to mention later, and uh, as well as Hollywood Brown. I think the biggest thing for me, Wilkins mentions the the drops. He mentioned that something is occasional, or we have there were certain situations where their focus drops. But Butler had a little bit too many, according to PFF. He had eleven drop passes. Nine touchdowns, 11 drops. A few of those could have went for for scores as well if he didn't drop them. So I think if it actually is occasional, it's not so bad. But this looks a little more than occasional for me. That scares me a little bit when, when grading him. I think also when you get out of the Big 12 and you come into the NFL, you're going to have guys and cornerbacks who defend you who are very explosive. And while he can separate using his length and his strength, he may not be able to explode in and out of his breaks in the most efficient way possible against these top cornerbacks. So I do see some holes in his game. Those two in particular are the biggest where I have him coming in a little bit below. In another receiver class, he probably could be higher, but there are four guys that I like a little more than Butler. He is super athletic. He's super big. I'm just a little bit worried about his movement despite his athletic testing particularly in and out of breaks against these cornerbacks. I mentioned that I recently moved Butler ahead of Harry in my ranks. The reason for that is just pure ceiling. Harry's odds of sustaining success in the pros are probably a little bit higher in Butler's, in my opinion. When we're talking about just best possible outcomes, I think Butler gets the nod. And in Harry, I just, I don't see a guy who can create separation as much, which is fine because he's very good at contested catches. He can make plays downfield. I just think he's going to need an offense, maybe an offensive coordinator who's willing to scheme him up some plays a little bit. And definitely he's going to need a quarterback that is willing to throw into coverage where Harry can win for sure in those situations, but not every quarterback's willing to do that. 
What I saw from Harry personally um, that put him ahead of some of the other guys we, that we mentioned, uh, just his versatility stands out, more so if we're comparing. I don't want to keep comparing necessarily Butler to Harry, but since was, these were the last two and I have Harry as my number three personal rank wide receiver, is, like I mentioned, the versatility is huge. I think you could put him anywhere. You could line him up in a big slot role. We've seen a guy like Marquise Colston a few years ago and Larry Fitzgerald recently uh, thrive in this role. And I think whether you put him outside... You teach him some more of the intricacies of, of his route running so he'll be able to separate. He's very good in, in short areas. I think he's very technical. He does lose a little bit of explosion, similar to Butler, but putting him in the slot, super at one-on-one ca- uh, 50-50 catches, can really juke out the smaller cornerbacks in the open field. I think he's made a number of plays. He's unguardable on slants. He posts up the defender, and there are just so many ways that he, he could win on a football field. I, that's why I put Harry ahead of uh, a guy like Butler. Yeah, and I thought that they did a good job in college just getting him on some bubble screens and stuff. Like you mentioned, getting him in space, he broke a lot of tackles, 38 broken tackles in three seasons, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's another strength of his game there. We'll keep moving through the top guys. We got to talk about the teammates here. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf got all the hype. Going back to the combine, going back to when he put the photos on social media where he is just absolutely ripped. Then he goes out in the combine, runs a phenomenal time for a guy his size, didn't do so well in some of the agility drills. I think that took a little bit of the wind out of his sails in the draft community. I'm very curious to see where NFL teams are going to land on him. He's a guy who we could see go in the top 10. We could see a team like the Bills go out and get him. I know on social media, he was up there. He made a visit to the Bills clearly because he had some Bills gear on the one day in one of his pictures. He could go to a team like that if they just view him as this dominating, hulking presence on the outside, that they can throw it up to him, that he can sort of shift the entire defense his way a little bit, which he has that upside. But personally, I kind of like A.J. Brown a little bit better. I think Brown's a player who is a little more well-rounded. He could play on the inside. He could play on the outside. I think he's the one who has a better chance at stardom. Wilkie, where do you land on the two teammates? I don't have anything that I disagree with that you just said. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. We have we have Metcalf higher in our rankings, but that was a little bit of a concession to Mike because he is he is very high on him as I will uh, as he will explain after I'm done here. But I mean, there's a lot to like about Metcalf, obviously, and he does have that potential to be that dominant vertical and physical threat that you just can't stop. I mean, he's that big, he's that strong, he's that fast. But I'm with you in that I like Brown a little more. I, I just think there's more that you can do with him. And he he was far more productive in college. Um, you can line him up anywhere on the field and he's going to dominate. Now, I know even dating back to the combine when I was taking some shots at Metcalf over those agility drills, Alessandrini, I feel like you defended Metcalf a little bit there. So what's your take? I love both guys. Both guys are in my top four. They're in our our top our top four as well. You know, Wilkins said he gave gave it up to, uh, to me on a little bit on this one. I, I I think Metcalf is. You mentioned Butler having the highest upside. I think Metcalf has far and away potentially the highest upside of anyone on the offensive side of the ball in this entire draft. I just think his rare athleticism and unique unique size. It could be unguardable if a coach harnesses his ability to go and take shots down the field. I think the biggest thing with him, obviously, is his agility, which, I've, as I discussed the last time we had, uh, I was on the podcast, that it's a non-concern. He shows plenty of it on tape. He even posted better numbers at his pro day. 
you can teach him a little more of the intricacies of route running and you could teach him a little um, something to expand his route tree. So he ran more of a vertical tree at Ole Miss. He can do everything else. He's that talented. And I think if a coach gets their hands on him, he could really, really open up a world that we haven't seen before. A lot of this is projection, like we said. So and I think Metcalf, with his home run threat on every play, excellent burst off the line of scrimmage, high pointing the ball, just a menace to tackle in the open field. I think he far and away has the highest upside. But I also want to talk about Brown for a second because Brown is really, really good. He doesn't have the size and athleticism as Metcalf, but he can come in in that Michael Thomas role. He reminds me a lot of the former Ohio State Buckeye. And if you told me that Brown was going to have the most productive career in this receivers class five years down the road, I wouldn't argue too much with you. He's that good. Brown has incredibly sure hands, love his catch radius, and I think he just makes very smart decisions. I think, you know, when he has option routes, he seems to always be moving into the open area. I think that's something that he's just going to consistently be able to win doing that in the NFL. I think the only other thing for Metcalf, and I'm curious, Alessandrino, I'll put it back to you. Are you worried at all just about the lining up on the one side of the field? I know you're saying you could teach a root tree, but if he's only playing on one side of the field, and I know a lot of people have compared him in that respect to a guy like Kevin White, who was highly regarded coming out, but was another guy that really primarily spent most of his time on one side of the field, and we've seen him struggle when he got to the pros. Not that they're the same. Obviously, Metcalf, just an uncanny athlete, but I'm a little concerned about that. Are you? I'm not too concerned, Boone. I think... I don't want to make excuses for the guy because we don't really know what happens in practice and what goes on behind closed doors as to why that's the case. But he had two season-ending injuries in college. He had a broken foot in 2016 and obviously the neck injury in 2018. So his game experience is not what some of the rest of the prospects in this class is. So that could have contributed to some some timing issues with just learning one side of the field. I think he has the ability to affect any part of the field. Sure, he's probably better on the boundary. But if you put line him up in the slot against a corner who is five foot eleven or under, and he's blowing right by him, that that's a touchdown. I don't care who's covering him. Every time the injuries come up with Metcalf, all I think about is in the movie Any Given Sunday when Jim Brown gives that speech about you know million dollar bodies that crack like porcelain. <laughs> I keep thinking about that with Metcalf that he's going to have all this hype and he's going to come into the league and we're going to see him be one of those guys that you know just has the soft tissue injuries or whatever that sort of slow down his progress and that could always be a problem but that is purely a gut feeling i have no no data to back that up obviously i want to talk about another guy here he's a little bit lower in your rankings it's miles boykin out of Notre dame really behind that top group and i also have hollywood brown above him but behind those guys i have boykin right there and i think it's because of his upside and you guys are going to give me a hard time that i like these you know tall athletic players but he's a guy with legitimate wide receiver one potential and you're going to be able to get him one of these teams is going to be able to get him in second third round i'm guessing maybe even later depending how teams view him i think it would be nice to see him show a little more aggressiveness i want to see him you know really step up into that alpha role otherwise we might just see him be maybe more of a devin funches type where he's got that big body where he can win in the red zone but he doesn't have that number one receiver attitude but for now i think he's going to be able to enter the league rely on his athleticism he has a reliable set of hands I think he makes really good adjustments to the ball. Why on earth is he all the way down at 11 in your rankings, guys? So so Mike's going to have to answer this one for you because this is probably the guy that we talked about the most 
I love just like how subtle it is. You guys throwing each other <laughs> under the bus, depending on the player. I, I mean, no, I, I think we ended up with a good list that we both uh, managed to agree on where certain guys should go. But obviously, as as it would work in a draft room, you're going to have certain guys that uh, like certain players more than others. It, it's just the way it works. But I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I love Boykin. I love his upside, I think there's just so much room for him to grow. Obviously, he didn't have much production at Notre Dame. You know, I would like to see his athleticism translate to more of an impact after the catch because he's a freak athlete for someone who's 6'4", 222. And to me, like, his play speed didn't always seem to match the way that he timed at the combine. But everything else, like, you know, I think he kind of gets a little bit of, he kind of gets a little bit of flack for his his route running and his ability to create separation. But I don't know. I just didn't see that. I, th- I thought those were positives for him. I, I'm really high on Boykin. And I, if my team got him in the third round, I'd be thrilled. Here's my issue with Boykin. We've talked about projecting. We've talked about upside. But you have to actually see it on tape enough for you to really say, yes, this guy has it. I don't see it with Boykin as much as I do with someone like Metcalf, who we just mentioned. He's big. He's, he's athletic. Where is it? I don't know where it is. He's fast. I don't really see it. He doesn't show it in the open field, like you say. He doesn't show it after the catch. Consistently, there are flashes, obviously, and Boykin has a number of, maybe not a number, a nice handful of really nice plays on tape, particularly on the sideline when adjusting his body. But outside of that, with his route running, you think this guy should be a dominant receiver, even though Notre Dame's offense is not the most prolific in NCAA. I don't see it enough for Boykin to put him into even into my my personal top ten. He's where he needs to be on our rankings, and I need to see him all put it all together. Maybe a, a coach can do that. Maybe a good offense can do that. But right now, he's a ways away for me. So far, we've just talked about wide receivers that I like. I've liked every guy that we've talked about. <laughs> I think they all have a chance to be really good. I think they're all intriguing for fantasy. Now I want to bring up a guy that I'm not so excited on, and he's going in the top 10 in a lot of rookie drafts right now. It's Kelvin Harmon, and I don't see it with him. I don't see... Some people have had him all the way up as their number one dynasty rookie this year. I don't understand it at all. It seems very shocking to me. I see a player who needs to get a lot hungrier if he's going to challenge at all in the pros in my mind. I think he's slower than a lot of these other top prospects. I mean, he's got decent size, but he doesn't have any of the elite traits, in my opinion, that are going to allow him to win in any way early on. I think for him, it's going to be he's going to need coaching. He's going to need some time. He rarely creates separation. And from what I see, you know, the only time that he, he actually sort of steps up is when plays break down. I saw him make some nice plays at that point and actually get away from some people. But within the actual scheme of the play, he's rarely getting open. He's good at back shoulder catches. So maybe that's going to be one area that a team will be able to utilize him. But he's someone that I just don't see it despite it seems like a lot of people in the industry do. I yeah, mean, I, think- I, I hate to agree with you so much, but because we usually don't do this, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I I like him a little more than you do. I think. I I mean, there's a lot of uh, I I can see why people are high on him. Like he's a he wins with his size. He's physical. He's got strong hands at the catch point. I've seen him track the deep ball well, and he makes those little uh, subtle moves uh, to separate before the catch. He's got good body control, like you mentioned. Uh, I think he fights through contact and can continue his route and get to the ball. But the real concern here is that the athleticism is going to hold him back and he's not really going to be able to create those separations within his route. So when I think of Harmon, 
I can't stop thinking of Laquan Treadwell. Oh, no. He was a first-round pick, 23rd overall a few, few years back. So obviously there was some upside that teams thought was there, but he hasn't shown it yet. I think his ability or lack of ability to create separation has hurt him, and I think that might hurt Harmon in the pros. I think that's a pretty nice comparison there, for better or worse, for Kelvin Harmon. Now I'm going to group a few other guys that uh, I'm not – as excited about as maybe some people in the industry. And I'll let you guys just attack here. If you disagree with me, go for it. If not, maybe we can just move on. I'm going to throw out Andy Isabella, JJ Arcega Whiteside, and oh, Ryan Ridley. I knew, I knew at least one of them was going to set you guys off. Go for it. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'll let Wilkins tackle Arcega Whiteside. He's so good, man. He, he might be like a top four receiver in this class maybe better the first thing that stands out is he's a contested catch machine i mean well, anytime... the first thing that stands out is super cool name i'll give him that yes. and i think sometimes players get inflated when they do have cool names okay so bump him up another spot i mean <laughs> he's a machine in the contested catch anytime the ball goes up it's his it's uncanny it's i'm it's tough to find receivers like that first of all but he, he's so much more than that too i mean He's got strong hands. He's got a massive catch radius. He's really good at the line with his release and his footwork to be press. And just the subtle moves that he makes coming off the line almost get him a kind of separation right away. And he just moves so much better than you would expect for a guy that's as big as he is and wins in the way that he does. Like I mentioned before, going up over the top of defenders. I think there's so much more with him that can be unlocked at the next level because of his athleticism and that uh, those releases and the subtleties in his route running off the line. I, I think he could easily be, end up being one of the best receivers in this class. Do you think in the pros he's going to play on the outside or do you think they'll move him more into the inside to be like a big slot? Because I think that would be his best chance of success. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I could see him playing as a big slot inside, but at the same time, he was so proficient on the outside, like well, especially on those fade routes. But the ability to create separation off the line, I think that helps him no matter where you line him up. And I'm, I'm just super high on him. I, I would love to have him in the second round. All right, well, if anybody wants to hear my thoughts on why I think uh, Isabella or Ridley are a little overhyped, they can go back, they can read that article that I put out yesterday. I want to talk about another guy who I really like and I didn't expect to at all. It's Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. <laughs> I Guys, I see him as the next Golden Tate. I think one of the problems is a lot of people are looking at him and projecting and they're saying, well, he's got this speed, so he's going to be this downfield threat. I don't think he really is. I think he can do that and maybe in the pros that'll be unlocked a little more. But I think he's a guy that is going to win all the time, short and in the intermediate levels. To me, he has that uh, you know running back wide receiver kind of hybrid build. I think he's a really dangerous open field runner, breaks a lot of tackles, can score from anywhere. I think he's going to need the right team in order for them to use him properly. But he's another guy that I don't project him coming in and being a team's number one. But he is going to be a very useful weapon for some team. And when you think of a guy like Golden Tate, catches a lot of passes. At least he has. We'll see what he does in New York. But over his time, you know, the years in Detroit, catches a lot of passes, makes a lot of plays, is a great fantasy player, very underrated fantasy player, and somebody that can have a long career, in my opinion. Yeah, Boone, I love Paris Campbell as well. You hit the nail on the head. He's going to be an offensive weapon, can line up anywhere, and he's a threat to score from anywhere. I think the biggest issue with him that some evaluators have is what role he played on the Ohio State offense. And we'd be misinforming the people that read our material if we say that he's only fit for that role 
where he has a shallow depth of target and it does a lot of his damage after the catch because he could be so much more when he gets to the NFL, once he learns the intricacies of route running. I think he's athletic. He's a speedster. He could be everything that Curtis Samuel was supposed to be, I think. And he reminds me a lot of DJ Moore from last year, who was a first-round pick. Nice. Well, obviously, your guys' rankings go deep. The receiver article and the other position articles that I've done over the last couple of weeks here, they go very deep as well. I'm going to cut this one short a little bit, though. I want you guys each to give me another receiver who you think could make a big impact at the next level. doesn't necessarily have to be just for fantasy. I know you guys are obviously looking at it from their careers as a whole. Wilkins, we'll start with you. Who's a receiver here that you think in the later rounds could pop up and have a really good career? I mean, we just talked about Paris Campbell. I'll, I'll go with his teammate at Ohio State, Terry McLaurin. Uh, he wasn't a top target in the balanced uh, Buckeyes offense. Obviously, he didn't have a whole lot of production uh, in his college career. But like we talked about before, a lot of this evaluation is about projection and what you think his skill set could do at the next level. And there's just so much to like with his uh, his route running ability, uh, his quickness. And and then he had a blazing time at the combine. I believe he ran the 40 and 4.35. He's got a good release off the line of scrimmage. He, he tracks the ball well. I think that he's probably one of those guys that is going to kind of, you know, he may go in the second or third round. Some people may think he was overdrafted. And then it's going to look like a really good decision because we're going to wonder why people were low on him in the first place. When you said later rounds, I'm going to maybe go a day three target here. I'm a big fan of Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. Quite simply because he could be a top two or three, if not the most refined route runner in the class. And we've seen guys like Antonio Brown thrive because of route running. He has AB? Lots, AB. He has a lot of other things that make him so great. But Stanley Morgan's not there yet. But I think um, he's fast enough, he's quick enough, and he has great route running. So that's someone to look out for uh, making an early season impact as a rookie, potentially, depending on his landing spot. Yeah, I mentioned him at the bottom of the receiver article I did. I For fantasy purposes, I just don't normally go after guys who I think are going to be, you know, sort of volume-dependent slot receivers, and I think that's what he'll project as. But I could be wrong. He could turn out to be more than that. I want to bring up two names. I'm going to cheat. I know I just said one, but I'm going to bring up two guys. The first is Debo Samuel, another guy from the cool name list, absolutely. So he gets a bump up there just like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. But, you know, the the root running, just a beautiful root runner, uh, solid body control, you know, really strong run after the catch ability. I think he's being a little underrated. It might have something to do with the fact that his quarterback play in college was just atrocious. So, you know, it really makes it tough to evaluate the receivers sometimes when the quarterbacks are just missing them constantly. But he also dealt with some injury woes. So hopefully the, the hamstring issues, he had a broken leg as well. Hopefully that stuff is behind him. We don't have anything else like that. But he's a guy who's not as fast as Paris Campbell, but I think he offers some of the same qualities. The other guy I want to bring up, Maybe a little bit more of a project, but it's Jalen Hurd out of Baylor. I heard that the Buccaneers, we've seen some reports that the Buccaneers might be interested in him. I think that would be a very good landing spot for him. We could see him step in maybe as the third receiver, and he could also get a role in their backfield potentially, depending what they do in the draft. There's kind of an opening for some touches in that Bucks backfield because Hurd was a four-star running back recruit coming into college. He's transitioned over to receiver, showed some really natural abilities there. Ball-carrying skills, obviously having that running back background helps, but 
able to rack up yards after the catch. I think some really good coaching in the pros, and I think he could get that from Bruce Arians and his staff, could help his route running a little bit, maybe unlock that versatile skill set that he has. A player who, when I see him play, he just sort of reminds me of like a like a thicker Robbie Anderson, maybe, like that sort of athleticism and ball skills combined with that running back ability. Very intriguing player. So last week we talked about quarterbacks and running backs. This week, start off with receivers. Let's round it out by talking about tight ends. And we have at least three really good ones in this class. Two of them somehow are teammates coming out of Iowa, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Both players are going to be good pros, in my opinion, and they're very different players. Hawkinson's going to give you, I, I don't see any weaknesses in his game. Very solid blocker. I think an underrated receiver as well. Somebody who is probably going to get playing time right off the bat. And I think sometimes the blocking aspect is what holds young tight ends back. It's a very difficult position to transition to. You're essentially learning two positions, receiver and offensive lineman. I think Hawkinson's going to be able to step in. We could see him go as early as... And maybe in the top 10 with his talent set. Noah Fant is more of the Evan Ingram type receiving tight end. Uh, but another guy, just a, a wide receiver in a tight end body who could come in and put up big numbers, especially for fantasy. Who do you like out of the two teammates? I love both of them, but I think Hawkinson is a little better as an overall prospect. You said it. He has no weaknesses in his game. You didn't see any because there probably isn't any. I didn't really see any either. He's not a burner like Fant is, but he's plenty athletic. Great change of direction abilities. He can win in route running. He can win with physicality. And blocking, like you said, is what holds tight ends back early in their careers. And he just has the tenacity and the ability, especially in the run game, to impact that phase of an offense too. So you can see him be an every down player as a rookie. Something you see very rarely as a tight end coming into the league. I think he's great at finishing plays. He finds open areas in the zone, particularly down the seam. And he's a redshirt sophomore, just two full years of starting experience. So he's still scratching the surface, amazingly enough. So he's not as speedy as Fant is, but Hawkinson is one of the 10 or 15 best prospects in this year's class. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's really not many knocks against either of these two guys, right? And it's pretty amazing that Iowa can keep producing tight ends at the rate they have uh, after George Kittle a couple of years ago, and now these two in the, in the same class. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I think Hawkinson's probably the better prospect. He, he's one of the better prospects in this class altogether. Uh, Boone, I think I've seen him linked to your bills at number nine. So, I mean, I, yeah, he could be a top 10 pick, and he is that good. And I, honestly, I'm you guys know this. I'm not usually a fan of taking tight ends in the first round. I just think the position value isn't there. But for me, both these guys are first-round talents and more than worthy of a day-one pick. Yeah, and Fant just has the ability to be a, one of the bigger matchup nightmares in, in the entire NFL in a couple of years. Just his speed and size. You can't match him up against the safety. He's too physical. And you definitely can't match him up against the linebacker because he's way too quick and he's way too fast. So some offensive coordinator is chomping at the bit to get their his hands on fans. So he's going to be a highly sought after commodity. I think both guys are first round players. I have Irv Smith Jr. just a notch below them, but still amongst that really elite top three in this class. I think Smith Jr. is athletic. He's a little bit awkward in his movement. I think he's going to need to be coached up a little in the pros, but shows great effort on his plays. Really quality receiver. Not the most crisp route runner, 
but good yards after the catch and a willing blocker as well. A guy that I like who could step in and maybe he'll come at a bit of a discount compared to those first two, but a guy who could have an equally big impact. Yeah, it's funny when you start comparing an entire tight end draft class or any position group. Smith's a great player. Just when you compare him to Hawkinson and Fan, he's just, like you said, a step below, a notch below. I think all all of what you said was was right. He's just a little bit less athletic than these guys, but he's crafty route runner and he could make a real impact. All right, in the interest of keeping it under an hour here, we'll cut it a little bit short, especially when it comes to tight end, which is a position that takes a couple years for guys to normally make an impact. You know, you sometimes see the rookies that are at the top of the class, like an Evan Ingram, step up, get into the right situation and put up some decent fantasy numbers. But it's a little more rare to see that from deeper players. So right now, I'm just going to throw it out to you guys. Anybody else in this class that intrigues you as a potential fantasy option, as a potential, you know, big ticket starter down the road? Well, definitely as a fantasy option, the first name I would think of is Dawson Knox from Ole Miss. Just another Ole Miss offensive skill position player in this draft. Um, he's going to draw comparisons to George Kittle. He has that high level athleticism. And he's has the chance to be that good of a player. But there's one guy that I'm banging the table for and give him to me all day on day two. And that's Jace Sternberger from Texas A&M. He's just as good as J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is at those 50-50 balls. Except he's bigger and he's stronger. He's so good at every phase of the game. He had the most deep receptions, 20 plus yards, in this entire tight end class. If a defender follows with him, sometimes they stick with him. He's not explosive in and out of his breaks the way these high level guys are in this class, but it doesn't matter sometimes because he's making those contested catches and he has a great catch radius. So I'm banging the table for Jay Sternberger. Big fan of his. All right, guys, I'm calling it for today. Wilkins, it's been great having you on the last couple weeks. Allison Drini, really glad you could join us today. You can find Wilkins on Twitter at underscore Dan Wilkins, though he's rarely posting on there. So Allison Drini is probably the better follow. <laughs> he's at a football mic. He is definitely One- the better follow. <laughs> One more week to go before the most exciting three days of the offseason, the most wonderful time of the year, as you say, Wilkins. Until then, make sure you're checking out the NFL Fantasy News River and the Score app. You can get all my fantasy content there, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Wilkins and Allison Drini. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time.